Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. When I have been with friends and that happened and I peed my pants, I, I did lose the room. They did leave. <laughs> I saw her light up and I was like, I'm just going to work. But we are here until one of our last breaths. Yeah. I was just the one that was meant to take care of mama. It's for me to remember every single day is that I always have a choice. Everyone always has a choice. Whenever somebody says, no, you can't, or there's no roles for you, or you have to look like this, I go, I'll show you. I'll show you. Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth. You know, I've talked about stories I like to dig into, this being a masterclass where I get to learn about people and their experiences and their stories. I had a conversation with my guest today before we started the podcast. And one of the things I talked to her about was the fact that she gets a lot of hate and people get triggered by her story. So it's important to say that within our conversation, we will be talking about child pornography and addiction. So I just wanted to send out a warning to all of you listeners that this conversation can be very difficult. And for some people, it might bring up a lot of rage and a lot of feelings. Maddie Corman is an actor, teacher, and writer. And listen, if you grew up in the 1980s, you definitely saw her as a teenager in Seven Minutes in Heaven in Some Kind of Wonderful. Since then, she stayed incredibly busy in TV and film and theater on Broadway and off. Maddie also wrote and starred in a full-length play based on her life called Accidentally Brave, which has been filmed by producer-director Steven Soderbergh. And for her play, Maddie was nominated for the Outer Critics Circle Award and won the Off-Broadway Alliance Award for Best Solo Performance. So, Maddie, first of all, I'm, I'm so happy to see your face. I came to see your play, Accidentally Brave, Off-Broadway, and I was so moved by it. I was so affected by it. Um, we didn't know each other before that. No. And after I saw the play, I stayed 
till the end because I wanted to hug you. And I pushed aside all your other friends so that I could get in in front of the line. <laughs> um, before we go into it, if you feel comfortable. Yeah. Why don't you tell the story as if you're telling the story of Accidentally Brave? Okay. Um, you know, I'll start by saying I've now told the story a lot of times and yet here we are seven years later and I have to take a deep breath and I feel it in my stomach before I've even started. And that's just what telling this particular story is. Um, about seven plus years ago now, I was living in Westchester, living a very nice looking life, three great difficult, hilarious children, a dog and a cat, a husband who was not only sexy to me, but had a sexy job. And um, I worked occasionally. I'm an actress, among other things. Um, I had a semi-great career where I worked, but was also able to be with the kids and family and friends and all the all the things that looked really good on Facebook and Instagram. And I was, it was summer. My boys, I have twin boys who were 11 at the time, and they had just, just gotten home from sleepaway camp. Um, but I had an early morning shoot. So I was in my car, actually left the house before anybody woke up, which was very rare and very delightful. And so I was in the car and my phone rang at 5 a.m. and, um, I was already almost to work and it was my daughter calling, which was very already, I was like, something's up because it's summer and it's 5 a.m. And just the scream that I heard, um, I knew immediately something was very, very, very wrong. And she let me know when I could understand her. I couldn't even understand her at first, but uh, the police were in my house, our house, and they were... I didn't, I didn't understand at the time what was happening and neither did she. I said, hang on, sweetheart, let me just call your dad. And I was like, what the hell is going on, babe? Like nothing. I honestly had no idea what could possibly be going on. And he said, I can't talk. And I was like, what do you mean you can't talk? You gotta, I mean, what? And then, uh, the police got on the phone with me and said, um, we have reason to believe there's material on a computer. I could barely even understand, but at that point, it became clear that there was something illegal, perhaps on our computers, and they were taking them. And then it became clear that my husband was being arrested. And I still didn't understand what it was. Um, I won't go through the whole story because we don't have time, but I actually went to work. I, I kept going, which is a little bit insane looking back, but at, I... I, I didn't really understand still. My brother, thank God, was living really close by and came and got my kids. I sent my dad over to go help my husband and um, bring him to a lawyer. And I still was like, this must be some crazy kind of mistake. And um, oh, he was arrested for downloading images of child pornography. And um, that is the beginning of my story, the story, our story. Um, I will say that within 24 hours of finding this information out, it was in the newspaper. And just to have 
the worst thing that's ever happened happen in real time and have it be public and digesting that and managing that and figuring things out while the world is watching um, is something that I don't wish upon anyone, but that's what happened. And, um, and that began a very long, arduous process of trying to trying to keep my kids okay, uh, trying to uh, honestly keep my husband alive. Um, even though in those moments, I didn't know who he was or what was going to happen to our marriage or him or anything. I, um, maybe because I lost my own mother when I was 16, I just had a feeling that, and I still have this feeling that where there is breath, there is hope where someone is alive, there is room. There's a very, for me, there was a very poignant point in your play. And as I said at the beginning, your play has been um, filmed yes. by Steven Soderbergh. So people will be able to, yeah. if they haven't seen the play, they will be able to kind of have this journey with you when they see it. But yeah. there's a moment in the play where you go to rehab with your husband, still very conflicted, yeah. still trying to catch up with the new reality that's your life. Yeah, he went to rehab. And then at one point during rehab, there's something called family week where they invite the wives to come for five days. And you said something which was very funny, but yet very insightful, which was you said, I see the people that are visiting the alcoholics and the drug addicts. Why did we have to get the bad addiction? Oh, yeah. Why couldn't we get one of the cool ones? Yeah. Really, really. But you forget, particularly living in our culture, that addiction shows itself in many forms. And so, you know, sex addiction is an addiction like alcoholism. And for me, being in the audience, that sort of sort of changed the road I was going down with you. And I want to say now, at this point in our conversation, that he downloaded some images. He's never yes. touched a child. There's been no, no. so it's that's a, to me that's an important distinction. I, it's a very important distinction, and I'd also like to say that it's a really difficult thing to talk about. And I know there are people um, who are that's it. We can't even have the discussion. It's too upsetting. It's too clearly horrible. I want to be really clear and say, I think child pornography is horrible. My husband thinks child pornography is horrible. There's no one that thinks what he looked at is in any way okay or a small thing or of not. No. that there are no victims. There are actual victims of child pornography. And, and I think about the victims all the time. There are organizations that help and Rain is one of them. And I happen to now have a lot of experience learning about sex addiction and one of the reasons I want to talk about it is because nobody does talk about it. And yes, everyone has their boundaries. And there are people who are very, very quick and loud to tell me that they would never, ever, ever stay. Because spoiler alert, I am still married to my husband. Um, and that seems to be the, the big headline in your life. Sure. That's the sexy story to talk about. But I want to be really clear before we go on. Yes. There was never any... Uh, physical touching of any child or person. 
outside of my marriage. And there was also never any contact because that's another really big thing is that it's very easy on the internet to um, have intriguing with people, conversations with people. That was not part of my husband's acting out behavior. And there are people who I'm not even saying that I have a judgment about people who do whatever, but in my particular case, for me, that was a very important distinction early on. And while I was in no way thrilled to hear that my husband was looking at absolutely horrifying images, and I'm still not okay with it, there's never been anything in me that says, that's okay, but that is what happened. And that was an important um, an important thing to learn. Uh, because I didn't know, quite honestly, and I do talk about this in the show, and I've talked about it with you, I didn't know my husband was looking at any pornography. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a, I'm not a super religious person. I, I live in and around New York. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the entertainment industry. I, I'm aware of a lot of things. And yet that was not a part of our marriage. That was not a part of something we talked about. It was a very, very, very hidden thing for my husband. And as I learned at Family Week and beyond, there is... Um, a kind of addiction to pornography where what gave you your hit doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I also learned at Family Week, which, by the way, I wasn't going to go to at all uh, because I was so furious. And I also said, my kids who've been completely traumatized, now their mom's going to take off? No way. And I had very wise, wonderful people around me saying, you've got to go. You've got to go for your kids. You've got to go for yourself. This is part of the healing and you need to see what's going on. And I still wasn't going to go. And then my daughter, who was 16 at the time, said to me, well, didn't you make a vow to love dad in sickness and in health? Dad's sick. And, you know, <laughs> that was pretty tough to, um, to argue with. That's a strong statement. Uh, she's really amazing. She's probably uh, mad right now that I'm even mentioning her, but she's amazing. Um, I don't think she knew, but she gave me the fortitude to to keep going and go and go to that place where I was able to also fall apart, quite honestly, because I had been trying to hold it together for my kids, for the world, and suddenly I was in the desert in Arizona, and very privileged, by the way, I understand that not everybody has that opportunity. But there was no one around except these other ladies who were married to other kinds of sex addicts. And I was like, well, what do I care what they think? Turns out they were some of the most incredible, funny, smart, empathic, religious, interesting, just fascinating women. And that actually was incredibly (laughs) important in my own you know, I don't like the word journey, but um, but being in the desert and being not around anyone who knew you, especially my kids, yeah, anyone who knew me, but also especially my kids. I just didn't want them to to see. I'm sure they did. I'm sure I wasn't as good as I think I was at holding it together. But I, I didn't want to scream and fall on the floor. And I did get to do that. Um, and I got to feel sad and angry and all the things that I just didn't have a moment to feel because there was the house was on fire. You know, there's no there's no talking about what the meaning of this is morally or financially. There was just no time. I was I was actually trying to keep things from 
falling down. And so in the desert, the other thing I learned from not my husband telling me, because I don't think I could have ever believed him or listened, but very trained doctors saying, talking about addiction, which I know about and I believe, but I didn't believe in sex addiction because that just felt like a really, it felt like a joke or an excuse for bad behavior. Mm -hmm. But here were these doctors saying, listen, we believe that addicts are sick people, not bad people. And that the worst thing you've done is not what defines you. And the worst thing you've looked at in terms of pornography is not necessarily what you actually want to do in real life. And these were things that I needed to hear in order to even begin to consider being married. And they also said to me, along with a very wise therapist, let's not figure out whether you're staying married or not right now, because the last thing you have, the you can't even wrap your head around Wednesday. Let's just put a pin in that and try to get through the next six months and then we'll we'll meet again. It's not like you're it wasn't like I was going to go on the dating sites, you know. Right. Right. In the next 10 minutes. And I had a really long, mostly good marriage that had been happening for 20 years. And three kids who loved and loved their dad very, very much. And fa our families very enmeshed. I don't think that allows you to stay no matter what. But it certainly gave me pause when I didn't know what I wanted. I knew I didn't want I didn't want suicide. And then maybe I stayed for another part of that for the kids to be, to get their feet on the ground. And then I got uh, some extra time to see what was happening, to see what this man that I loved so much, so much. Who was he? Was that all a lie? Or was there an actual compulsion that could be treated? Well, it's interesting because if I told your story to somebody on the street, mm -hmm. their initial reaction would be, well, she left him, right? And there's, there's an anger that comes out when people go, well, why didn't she leave him? Which is, yes. to me, the reason our culture gets so stunted and so uh, polarized, because we all jump to conclusions and say, well, she should have left him. I have no sympathy for her because she stayed. But mm -hmm. to me, the, the story of all of this is the fact that you didn't leave your husband because it's much easier to leave any situation. Let's take a quick break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. So you have stayed in this marriage. I have. And it has been incredibly difficult. You have a partner who can't go to birthday parties, can't walk the kids to school, all all the limitations that come with that kind of arrest. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you say is, yes, I'm still married today. Yeah. I do say that. And we have a very different kind of marriage. I would say we have a better marriage. We have a marriage without secrets. We have a marriage that's authentic. We have a marriage where I shouldn't have taken this for me to learn certain things about myself, but um, I don't wish this certainly on anyone. But there is something about having your life blow up that gives you an opportunity to really look at yourself. and. Um, I'm not a martyr. I'm not a person that says, well, life's over, but I'll stick it out for the kids. I actually um, I actually have allowed this person that I love to to get well and get better. And I just want to make that clear. The reason maybe you've heard me say I'm married today and I have a marriage in recovery is that I don't have an interest in being with a person who says, you know what, so what, all guys look at that. Or, yeah, I made a mistake, so what? That's not who I'm married to, and that's not what I believe either. Um, I gave a person who I believe is a good person an opportunity, and he has taken that opportunity. And, you know, it's been seven years. When I wrote the show... I wrote it really soon after, which seems a little bananas now. But one of the reasons I wrote it was there wasn't anybody talking about this. And it was the loneliest time. And I already mentioned that I lost my mom when I was 16, which you can imagine was pretty lonely. So I had a, a I had a, a place of of trauma and loneliness already. But this was a whole other level because I just didn't think anybody had ever been through this or could even possibly understand. And did you write it to be as a like cathartic exercise? I mean, why in that form? Why not Dear yeah. Diary? I mean, why did you decide to write it in a play form? Right. When I was on the floor of my bathroom, you know, moaning, uh, sobbing, screaming, um, I was really lost. And yeah. someone reached out to me who I did not know. And 
she had read about my story in the newspaper, in the New York Post, and thank you, New York Post, um, including details that weren't actually true, but... Well, that's the New York Post. That's And, and by the way, <laughs> I now know that. I'm like, oh, wow, not everything is true. Yeah. Um, and she ha- was working with a friend of mine and somehow figured out how to get... Like, she found me. This is your angel, as you call her in the play. This is my angel. And she said, hi. And I just fell to my knees and said, hi. And she said, my story's not the same as yours, but it's close enough. And I'm telling you, your kids are going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's possible your husband's even going to be okay. And I'm here. And I don't feel sorry for you. I feel sorry with you. And in that moment, everything felt possible. Mm -hmm. And in the ensuing months, as I got up off the floor, I would say to her, what can I ever do? And she said, just pay it forward, just do it for someone else. And I think that's when I started writing. I just knew, and I didn't, I'm not a good enough writer. It turns out I'm a good writer. I kind of knew that, but I'm not a good enough writer to express what I wanted to express. And I, I I trusted myself to be able to somehow tell the story on a stage because I wanted to, to, to show the messy parts. And I wanted to be of service. I really did. As corny as that sounds, I wanted to tell my story for all the people who I thought needed to hear it. What was a surprise to me was the people like you and very, very many others whose stories were nothing like mine, who came up to me after the show and said, my sister died in a car accident and overnight my life changed. My brother is a drug addict. Overnight, we got a call that changed our life. You know, in a, in a second, what was my foundation fell out from under me. And it was helpful for me to hear that that happened to you too. It was helpful for me to hear you didn't think you would ever laugh again because mm-hmm. when stuff like this happens, you're supposed to be earnest and thoughtful all the time. It was helpful to me to hear that you found a higher power because even my angel was not able to make this better. Like I actually did need something deeper and stronger. So that's there too. So I can't tell you exactly when the moment, I mean, I certainly wasn't like, this would make a great show, but there was some part of me that felt compelled to share it in a way And I have a very good friend who you know, one of my best friends, who's a writer, a really good writer. And she saw a very early reading and she said, you know, it's beautiful and good for you. And I'm proud of you. And, you know, you don't have to be up there on that stage alone. You could add almost like a Greek chorus who plays because I kind of play some of the other characters and somebody could play your husband and some of the doctors and the neighbors. And I said, and she's so brilliant. And I, I was far be it from me to not take a note from my wonderful writer friend. And I said, I know that's not right. I know that part of, and I hate solo shows. They're so like, come down and see me sing and dance about my midlife crisis. But I just knew that being on the stage alone represented what it felt like. Absolutely. So how did your family feel about it? (laughs) Well, I think my husband lost, you know, the right to have too much say. But that being said, he and I both very strongly feel that we're as sick as our secrets and that it's important to shine a light on things that are in the dark and and the scary things and the things that people don't want to talk about. 
in fact, I believe that, look, in my experience, and now I have a lot of experience being around people with sex addiction of various kinds, there's a lot of childhood trauma, there's a lot of childhood abuse. And so if we just throw people away and say, well, that person did that, so they must be no good, let's get rid of them. And then we're, we've solved the problem. Like we haven't solved the problem of child pornography by my husband being punished for that. I, I, am, I believe in punishing people who um, participate in any way in child pornography, but it's not going away because we shame people and out people. There's a really, really big part of our society that we need to talk about. Um, so my husband was down with, um, and he's also an artist, although he's, he never worked another day as a director, producer after that. But he is, he comes from a, a world of believing that we take our pain and we make it into art. So he saw the service in it. I think my kids, you'd have to speak to them. I tried to have integrity and not, and I say in the, in the play, I say, you know, this is my story to tell. I'm trying not to tell their stories. I don't know how to tell my story without including the fact that I have three children because that's a huge part of the story. Yes, it is. It's a whole other world. Yeah. And you're not telling it through their eyes, but you have to, you are a woman with three kids I, and yeah. this happened to, and it imploded all of your lives. Absolutely. And every choice that I've made has been based on being a mother. Every choice that I've made. And doing this show was really hard and my, um, for them. And I will, I think it's okay for me to say that my daughter really did not want me to do it. And it was a very difficult thing. And it was part of, I don't think I had ever done anything, honestly, that my kids didn't like. Mm -hmm. I mean, anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, of course, they were annoyed by me all the time, you know, but but really, this was a very big thing. And we had to talk about we had to talk about shame. And, you know, if shame is the reason not to do something, I don't know that I agree with that. I believe that telling this story is a love story about a family. And I believe that telling the story ultimately helps my family. If I actually believed that it would hurt my kids to tell this story, I wouldn't do it. But that doesn't mean that they agree with that. Now, my daughter, you know, all my kids, my boys were 11 and now they're 18. My daughter was 16 and now she's 23. So everybody's, everybody changes, but our family is really strong now. And I would like to think that I have kids who are empaths, who have less judgment, who understand nuance, and who will give people in their life a chance to redeem themselves, not be walked over, not be abused, but who might see an opportunity for grace. And radical acceptance. Yeah, I mean, radical acceptance with boundaries. You know, there's a lot of therapy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talking. Um, we talked about things that I don't think I ever would have talked about, but I'm glad to talk about them. I think every mom should be talking to their kids about pornography. I don't know that I would have. Mm -hmm. I had to. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is extreme. But it also put me in front of a world that I was in some denial about. Um, not just in my own household, but in the in the world. 
Did your husband see the show? Yes. Early on? Yeah, he told me that he was going to see it and and that he wasn't going to tell me when. I asked if he wanted to read the script and he said no. And um, one night I got home from doing a two show day, which was extremely, it was really, it was really exhausting. We were in previews still. And, um, and I came home, it was a Wednesday and I was talking about somebody who had been there that night and some blah, blah, blah. And, you know, one of the projections didn't work and this and that. And then when I finished my monologue, he said, I saw the show this afternoon. And it just took my breath away because I was like, oh, my God, is he OK? Was kind of my first thought, actually. And I said, how you doing? And he said, it's really beautiful. And it was really hard. And I have a couple of notes. <laughs> and I said, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't want your notes. And we went to bed that night. And in the middle of the night, I was like, what are your notes? Because, um, you know, he's a good director. Must have been hard, hard for him to watch, but also... I'm glad he saw it. I mean, we don't get the opportunity to be so raw and speak our truth yeah. and sort of show strangers and non-strangers what we went through. You know, we're not all performers that way. So, yeah, I, I think I wanted to do that for the partners mm -hmm. of I mean, for the partners of anybody, mm -hmm. because it's easy to look at me and go, she stayed. And then it's like, and believe me, in 90 minutes, you don't fully understand why, but there's a lot more to it. And there's, it's not like, and I never thought about leaving. It's like, no, I thought about leaving every second. And no, I was incredibly hurt and angry and scared and disgusted and all of the things that you think I might be, but I'm not going to be able to say that to you in a seven minute meet and greet on the street or of course. on the view or wherever I go. But I also think there's a real issue in this world. And I think women have this more than anyone. You know, I, I um, I'm a real fan of 12 step and it's free and it's incredibly helpful for me in my life. And you're not really supposed to talk about it. So I won't get into the details, but I will say that it has saved my life. And I will say that the 12-step programs that um, help partners, spouses, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers of people who struggle with addiction, you know, the Al-Anons and ACAs and the, the people who struggle with someone else in their life and then need to get help for themselves but don't want to talk about their partner or their son or their mother. So then they're keeping the secret. And then they're getting sick, you know, and so I think I wanted to do this. There's even a lot of help for men who are, and, and there are women as well, but mostly in my experience, men who are sex addicts and porn addicts. And there's very, very few people talking about help for the betrayed partner. And if my husband wants to go to a meeting, well, this is pre-COVID, but even still on Zoom um, for um, a sex addiction 12-step meeting, and we live around the New York area, I would say there are a hundred meetings a week that he could choose from. And I would say for the partners, there's about um, two. And I know that all those people going to the other meetings, many of them have partners. So it's not that there's not people affected by this, but there's so much shame. 
Like we all have these same feelings, whether our stories are the same or not. And with sex addiction, it is not the same. Like there's just something about this. But even if it's not an illegal sex addiction acting out, the shame that the women feel about staying or even just carrying it is so exhausting that it becomes this really lonely world where these badass, brilliant women, either they leave, but they don't really want to leave, or they leave, but they haven't gotten the help they need, or they stay, but they're so angry. And they're like, I'm going to punish you for the rest of our days, but I'm going to let you stay. And that's no life for anybody. I'm not saying I feel sorry for the guys. I'm saying these women are like, they want so badly to kind of move forward, but their friends don't know their secrets and their husbands are being punished because they're so scared to not be angry. I've been that person. I'm scared to not be angry. And, you know, that same angel said to me early days, oh, you're so lucky that your story was in the newspaper. And I was like, um, no, I'm not. It is really not a good thing. And everyone's looking at me and everyone's looking at my kids and everyone knows. And, and she said, here's why. She said, it's not your job or the kid's job to do the dance of keeping this a secret. And if you had been given that choice, you would have. And I, I agree. I would not have done the show. I don't think, I mean, who the hell knows, but my story, you know, the, the show is called Accidentally Brave because I'm not that brave, but it was already in, it was already out there. I don't know that I would be going, hey, um, you may not know this, but let me tell you what happened. Yeah. So the good news is about my kids is that they're doing really well right now and they're kids, you know, and every time anything happens or they have a feeling or an emotion or a bad day or a bad month. I am going to probably forever ask the question, was it because of the thing? Was it because of the trauma? And then I talk to my friends who've had, you know, no issues. Their lives are great. And their kids are also having anxiety and all kinds of other issues that, you know, we all deal with. But, but, um, but really we have had moments of, of joy and togetherness. And, you know, my husband has worked and continues to work at his own recovery and wants to do right by the world and right by me and his family and, and many, 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 many people that he let down. Um, it's not an easy thing to walk through the world with the very worst thing that you've ever done that everyone knows that you did that. Right. You're wearing the t-shirt every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I, it's hard to talk about this because it's a certain kind of his behavior was so aberrant and so horrible and scary that a lot of people just can't see past that. And I had to, mm -hmm. I didn't have to say it was okay, but it happened. So it put me in a land where I, I felt that in order to go forward, I needed to learn and educate myself in order to make good decisions. Of course. You know, listening to you talk about it, you can't help but think yourself, what would I do? What would, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, and I've been married for over 20 years and I love my husband. I, I can't fathom it, but it would be easier to 
especially if it wasn't in the paper, it would be easier to run away, you know, like move to outside Reno and just pretend it never happened and start a new life. But as you said before, and the unfortunate thing about our culture is that just perpetuates the problem. And if we don't talk about it and if we don't hear other people's stories, we will always slam the door shut on even the subject of it. And the porn industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. So let's be honest about that. That's right. Let's take a short break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back to Go Ask Alley. I'm curious why, you know, when you think about opiates and drugs, that ultimately human beings blame the drug industry, right? Like you think now after with all this opiates and dope sick and everything, it's like, how dare these pharmaceuticals, you know, with cigarette smoking, how dare these big companies? Why isn't everybody going, how dare these pornography Billion dollar things. A hundred percent. And because what they do is they blame they blame the person that's watching, you know, oh, there's something wrong with him. Yeah. Right. And let's round up the guys. Somebody's feeding all, all these people. It is insane. Right. That's the big lie in a sense. Yeah, but it is. It's like, you know, pornography is being fed, by the way, through Fortnite to young boys. I mean, so why aren't we looking at this? Why are we just going, oh, he's gross, you know, put him in jail for two years. He's gross. And he did the thing. Well, what are you watching? 
Right. What porn are you watching? Because if you're watching something and, and you're saying that girl's 18, but she's playing a 13 year old, like, is that better? Like, it's all terrible. Yeah. Or she's 20, but we're tying her up and, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, look, I am not making any excuses for my husband and he has been punished severely and continues to be punished by society, by the law, financially, everything else. That being said, I think the number one search in porn sites is babysitter porn. And and that's not okay either. And by the way, now it's not just porn. If you're on the porn sites, you can click and then you're talking to someone and then click and then you're meeting someone. And it's, it's just, it's, it's so easy. Right. But like, we just want to shame the guys and I get it. And anyway, you know, I've learned a lot about pornography and I think it's really dangerous. And I'm talking about legal pornography. Um, I think our kids are learning sex ed from it and it is free and it is accessible and it is anonymous and it is a real issue. And there are a lot of good men who are trying to actually not cheat and that is allowed. Like, is pornography cheating? And that's a whole other, I mean, we could talk about that forever. Yeah, yeah. yes. Is is it cheating? But but also we live in a world now with the internet where a seven-year-old boy can type in boobies and yep. get to the dark web in no time. So guess what? A seven-year-old boy can type in the White House and get to pornography. I mean, it's really, really, it's a hugely complicated subject. And I am certainly not here to say I know the answer, but I do know that it's harder for a kid to get a a beer than it is to get to hardcore pornography. And I do believe from my experience that pornography is addictive. And not everybody, just like not everybody gets addicted to gambling and not everybody gets addicted to binging and purging and all other kinds of things, there are people who that is their numbing out and then it stops working. And then what do you do when your drug stops working? Um, You know, whenever I talk about this, I hear this voice in the back of my head going, Maddie, there's going to be people saying you're making an excuse. You're an idiot, you know, but so be it. (laughs) I, I just really want to I want to talk about it because it needs to be talked about, I think. And I want there to be some hope. I also think that my story maybe provides some hope to men because I think a lot of men are keeping this all kinds of secrets because they believe if they tell the secret, then their life will fall apart and their family will fall apart. And then in keeping the secret, it can get more shameful and spiral down. And I'm not guaranteeing anything, but I wish, wish that my husband had looked for help. He was in therapy. He had a wife that loved him and was seemingly an understanding person. But he would say he was so ashamed. Of course. Like, I think it's easy. And I love you. And this is no offense to you. I think it's easy to ask about the marriage and to go, well, how did you stay? And why did you stay? Just like people say, did you lose friends? Yes, I lost friends. But another question is, did you gain friends? And who are your real friends? And Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look who my freaking friend. Like I have a really, really beautiful, intense, difficult life, but it's authentic. And the people in my life are there and they know me. And I never wanted you to know my messiest parts ever. 
I wanted you to know just the little bit of the mess enough that it would be adorable, but this is not adorable. Mm -hmm. I get it. I would want to know the same question. I would want to talk about it and look at it and ask all the questions. But I think what is also interesting and important is that there are all these women out there who thought that their husband, and I can only speak for myself, so I will. My husband became my higher power. When I was anxious, he calmed me down. When I was happy, he was who I told the good news to. When I had any kind of problem, I knew he would be there for me. And suddenly that was gone. And that happens for all different kinds of reasons. So I think what I would like to give to people is just a toolkit for how I got from there to here and not because my husband's okay, because I had to learn to be okay, because I had to make friendships that were stronger than what they ever had had to be, because I had to learn how to stand on my own two feet and then say, I choose to be in this marriage or not, but I don't need to be. And and not to sound holier than thou, because I'm not. I loved having someone else be the person that answered the questions and took care of me. I was exhausted even at 23 years old when I met him. I was like, finally, finally, finally. And it broke, you know, it broke my heart in a million pieces when he, in my, when he betrayed me, when he betrayed that trust. I was completely shattered and I'm not unshattered now. Mm -hmm. I'm still, I'm still working on that, you know, but, but I learned, I learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot. I'm proud of my marriage. I'm not just proud of myself. I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of my husband. My dog was the best and never wavered, you know, but I, um, I, I think in some ways, Allie, I, um, I do think I did a good thing for my family. I think in some ways I like held the car up, you know, they say mm -hmm. the moms can hold the car up. And, um, now what I'm dealing with is my kids have gone out from under the car. Yeah. They're okay. They're like off living their lives. They've told their friends or not told them. They've got their own stuff and I'm still holding up the car because I'm not sure how so I in my own PTSD am going, is it okay to set the car down? And then what? You know? Right. And I feel like in some ways I've got like a year and a half of letdown to go, maybe. But I just dropped both my boys at college. So maybe this is the time. So you're an empty nester now, right? I mean ish. You know, like the minute the nest is and and that's another thing with my story being so public, I had someone say to me just the other day, well now you can get divorced. Wow. And, you know, I don't think anybody would say that to somebody else other than than me. But um, and it hurt my feelings and it oh, yeah. took my breath away for a minute. And. Uh, but it was just an opinion of like, oh, well, you stayed for the kids. And, you know, like I said, that that may have been a truth at the beginning. And we do share three children. That's not nothing. That's that's forever. Right. That's whether you stay married or not. I'm sure you received a lot of opinions over the past seven years, all kinds of oh opinions. God. And one of the reasons that I wanted you on and one of the reasons that when Accidentally Brave comes out and in the meantime, someone can listen to it on Audible is there's a story here, a bigger story yeah. that can help 
all kinds of people like we've been talking about. And that's why I was so moved and and why I feel like it's a story that has nothing to do and yet everything to do with addiction, but it's about a family, as you said. Yeah. So Maddie, where are you now? I'm in my room. Um, I am, let's see, seven years later, um, I am writing more. I am healing more. I'm still acting. I'm still mothering. I am still looking at my own part of everything and trying to be a decent person with integrity, authenticity, some boundaries, and a little bit of humor and even a tiny bit of delight. That sometimes that's where I am all within 47 minutes, but um, I'm just a work in progress. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it's, it's not done. And you know, when my mom died, and I was like, okay, it's been a year. It's time to, t- it's, no one wants to hear about this anymore. And it's time to be okay. And of course, I look back at that 17 year old girl and say, well, poor you, you know, that was crazy. But in a way, I'm here to tell you today that, like I said, I can also today talk about mascara and other things, whereas I couldn't, you know, in the throes of everything. But it still affects me. Um, and my heart is still, healing. Mm-hmm. It's, and I'm still scared of what you'll think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to tell you that I'm very thankful and grateful that you came on and talked about it. I just am. I love you so much. I think it's important. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable for me to talk about. It's uncomfortable no, for me, but yet I, I know. go, yeah, we got to have these conversations. We do. I know. And you do. I think you're an incredibly courageous woman. Well, I'm grateful for your support. Accidentally brave. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Allie. If you or someone you know is experiencing sexual abuse or trauma, contact RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network at 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4673. Just to be clear, there's an ongoing debate in the mental health field about sex and pornography addiction. While some therapists may refer to compulsive behaviors as sex, quote unquote, addiction, strictly speaking, the struggles are not officially considered a disorder or an addiction. Other therapists believe the behaviors are actually symptoms of personal or psychological problems. But luckily, while the experts figure it out, treatments like cognitive behavioral therapy are available and effective. For more info on what you've heard in this episode, including the link to Maddie's play, Accidentally Brave on Audible, check out our show notes. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Go Ask Allie, and follow me on social media on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I'd love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can call or text to me at 323-364-6356. 
or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to goaskallypodcast at gmail.com. And if you leave a question, you just might hear it on Go Ask Alley. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.